You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 796 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. And today's episode features a visit from the great Tyler Jones of ATL and 29. He'll be with us in a moment. It's always fun to have Tyler on the show. Before we, before we bring him in, there is some news to touch on from Tuesday afternoon that I wanted to get to, and we will talk about it again here in a second with Tyler. But in general, I mentioned the report about 10 days ago from Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer that included a proposal featuring a week of practice for the non-bubble teams at individual team facilities starting uh, as early as the second week of August. That, of course, would have applied to the Hawks as a Delete 8 team. But, um, in short, uh, we're almost there in terms of the second week of August, and uh, the clock is kind of ticking, and there was a report out there on Tuesday afternoon from Sham Sarania and Sam Amick of The Athletic that poured all kinds of cold water on the notion of uh, a second bubble site or even even practice times, actually, when it comes to the Hawks. Um, that report cited a, quote, growing belief, end quote, among the eight non-bubble teams that a second bubble will not be happening. Also, the report cited pessimism about even having the in-market mini camps or group workouts that many have sort of held held, held on to as sort of a last bastion. Um, nothing official here, obviously. I want to keep that in mind here. Nothing's been announced. But there was a quote in there from a general manager, unnamed, saying that there was nothing happening, quote-unquote, with the discussions. And right now, uh, just for the record, teams can only have very light individual workouts in their home facilities and only two coaches at a time at those workouts. That's nothing close to what a normal NBA practice or a training camp session would be like. So keep that in mind here. And there's been lots of talk about competitive disadvantages, et cetera, et cetera. People within the Hawks organization have uh, definitely talked about publicly how they wish they were there and wanted to be playing. Um, And that's obviously not any breaking news. But still, I guess the issue here, at least part of it, is the logistics involved. On one thing, sorry, on one hand, you have the... NBA and the MBPA going head to head, and uh, with all the attention on the bu- on the bubble in Orlando, um, both sides have to agree to anything that happens because this is not covered in the CBA. None of this offseason activity is covered in the CBA, regardless. So it has to be approved on some level. Um, this is my addendum now, but one of the points of skepticism about this is that the league is not in a rush to spend a ton of money on a second bubble site, um, which would obviously be kind of what you would need. Um, the report described the, the, the potential upside financially of a second bubble as, quote, paltry, end quote. Uh, that makes sense to me, honestly. And the cost of uh, in-market, like, training camp stuff or summer workouts is obviously way less. That's definitely more possible even now. But the schedule is getting away from them on this one, honestly. We're into August now. The draft's coming, which doesn't really stop them from working out. But if you sort of do the math on this, November 10th is the date that um, the athletic report cited as a potential start of training camp. And while that may not happen, they, they might push that back because of the virus, et cetera, et cetera. If they're aiming for that right now, that's three months from this week, basically. Three months, three months from next week. And there has to be an offseason of some sort. Now, I know these guys have not been playing for a long time. That would be the argument against this. But in general, I think players are not going to want to have a camp too close to November 10th. Um, they want to have sort of an opportunity to get their, to get their bodies right, et cetera. I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but... Um, also in that report, 
was it the main frustration for teams that, uh, teams not in Orlando is that they fear that there'll be a uh, disadvantage. And I think that's the biggest takeaway here that I honestly understand. I mean, I mean, if you're a Hawks fan, if you're someone in the Hawks organization, you're definitely your your fear would definitely be that they're a, uh, sort of falling behind some of their competitors here. And I think for me, I said this before, I'll say it again with Tyler, I think later on, but the, it's, it's the practice time for me that I find to be the biggest loss for the Hawks. The games will get the attention for sure, but assuming that the Hawks would have been playing, you know, seven, eight games, it wouldn't have been that big of a change in my opinion, but the practice time, the workout time, the development time, that's what you're really missing, especially for a young team as the Hawks are. And I think, uh, you know, it is worth pointing out in, this, in the report from the Athletic. They did say that teams, at least most of the teams, and I would I would definitely assume that includes the Hawks, are going to continue to push for some way to have coaches and players engaged in the next weeks and months. But for now, it definitely appears like any thought of a second bubble site that was like more of a summer league atmosphere seems to be sort of dying away um, at, at the moment. Still, I would hold out that the Hawks might be able to have some training camp stuff, maybe inter- maybe a scrimmage or something televised in the future. But regardless. We'll update you, but that was uh, not great news for I know a lot of a lot of Hawks fans were holding out hope about a second bubble site, and that is uh, apparently not going to be likely at least not ruled out entirely just yet, but uh, dwindling in hope for that. Okay, and before we get to Tyler and what will be a, a fun conversation about the NBA's bubble and some uh, broad league topics as well as the second bubble and some Hawks stuff in general, a word from the good folks at my bookie. Say it with me now, sports are back. We've all been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind. It's mybookie.ag. Mybookie is a home run, a slam dunk, and a triple triple overtime game-winning shot all wrapped into one. Mybookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams, and with basketball, baseball, soccer, and much more already underway, there has never been a better time to start playing. With Mybookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. If you're feeling good about your favorite team's chances this year, be sure to check out MyBookie's NBA and World Series future bets. Nothing shows that you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season even starts or even after it has already begun. Why stop there, though? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future, and in this case, that means all kinds of basketball, hockey, and football action. MyBookie is taking bets on all of your favorite NBA, NHL, and even NFL games already. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting, and if you join right now today, MyBookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free bet of $10 on a Major League Baseball future. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, when signing up, take advantage of this fantastic offer from MyBookie. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are very, very simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. Tyler, it's been a while. Welcome back, and thank you as always for joining me, my friend. What's good, everybody? Good to be back, you know. the Good to have basketball back. Sadly, it doesn't look like we're going to see the Hawks until 2021, maybe. You know, late 2020 in December. So that that bites, but... <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but you I, know, I, like, I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, uh, you know, people who have listened to this have just heard me tee up kind of the, the specifics of the reporting as of Tuesday afternoon, but... You know, the, t- the broad takeaway is essentially that it looks like the second bumble will not be happening, which has been out there for a little bit now, but that was the strongest report that I've seen so far uh, was the Shams report from The Athletic on Tuesday afternoon. Um, there's still some buzz about potential for, like, in-market practices, but that's not going to be games in the way that, you know, everyone's going to be able to watch. Maybe a team or two will, like, televise a scrimmage, but it's not going to be gameplay. Um, so, I mean, you, you just alluded to it. Obviously... 
selfishly, it'd be great for content if we had some stuff to talk about. But what, what's your takeaway? I know we discussed it briefly a couple months ago, but now that it's uh, now that we're in August and nothing has happened, and it looks like it may not happen at all, how big of a deal is this? Because there's there's sort of there's sort of a split. I think everyone agrees that it's not good for these teams to not have any activities, but there are probably degrees on how much it hurts. So where do you sort of fall on that scale, and uh, what concerns do you have about the Hawks not playing basketball for this long? Particularly for the Hawks, it's pretty bad. Like, I don't – it's unequivocally bad because, I mean, the Hawks have a lot of big decisions to make. Um, not just – the like, we all harp on the John Collins one. I, I don't think – you know, it's, it's fun to talk about and, like, fun to discuss the different scenarios with John. But I don't think John Collins' situation overall is that complicated. He's a good basketball player. They're probably going to resign. They're going to sign him to some contract, whether it's this offseason or next offseason. You know, we'll see. Like the the fit with him and Capella, like all like you know all that stuff. Like the Hawks know John Collins is a good basketball player, right? I, I, that's not that's not the issue. The issue is the Hawks got like forty five plus million dollars in cap space, and they don't know if Kevin Herter. It's a starter, starting caliber, you know, basketball player. Like, I, I think the more the more I think about it, the more I watch, you know, just all these random games. You know, Trey Young's defense being bad is one thing, but like Herder just doesn't do enough. H- hadn't done in his first two years. Hasn't done enough on either end to justify. He, he's done enough in the sense that he's a good prospect, but as a player on the floor, his impact on winning has been pretty poor overall. And so, like, are the Hawks going to – like, it would be nice if they were, if they were either in Orlando or they saw Herder play, you know, in a tournament-like setting against other basketball teams just to see, okay, this is a guy we can, you know, submit into our starting lineup. Let's go get – a you know a Jeff T caliber backup point guard instead of um, Fred Van Vliet you know pay how however much money it'll take to get Fred Van Vliet um, um, to to come to the Hawks so like I, I think that that's that's one aspect of it. Ooh, sorry, Devin Booker just hit a game winner over like eight guys. That <laughs> live, was incredible. Live I, I, like I, I might. I might have been rambling a bit because I was watch I was I was sly watching the Suns who are playing some good basketball. They're fun, and like yes, this, they are. this is and this is and this is what the Hawks are missing. Like they're missing this right here because they could be in this tournament and they'd be like the Suns for the Eastern Conference. Where are they going to make the playoffs? No, but they're going to play like now that they have a complete roster. And I think that's the most frustrating thing about this about the season and the team overall. It's been. Re- Litigate over and over is that the roster just wasn't NBA, like, wasn't sustainable over 82 game season. They only, for the majority of the season, they only had five guys who could, who they could rely on. Wow. Devin Booker got fouled too on that shot. Didn't matter. That's, <laughs> but like, you know, but, 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 but like, they're not getting these reps. Like, they they can't see if Kevin Herter, over this offseason has put in the work that, you know, he needed to in order to become a, you know, an effective starter for them. So it's, you know, it, 
sucks for the Hawks management. It also sucks for the for the team overall and, and how they play because over the in, towards the end of the season, it wasn't all um, it wasn't just the Trey Young show anymore. Like John Collins had implanted himself as a clear number two option to the point that they had to start running stuff through him. Um, and and also Cam Reddish was starting to emerge. He was starting to take those, take that you like John Collins and Cam Reddish were starting to take usage away from Trey Young to the point that. I mean, they're missing that. They're missing how how different they could play like that. They're also missing if Cam Reddish is good enough to, you know, they're just missing a lot of stuff that they're not going to be able, like yep. they can only project through the season that they had beyond just, the, you know, the player development. Bruno Fernando's missing time as well. Like, it's just, it's this is a really bad situation in the sense that not necessarily, like I trust, I'm pretty sure the Hawks, are finding a way to get their guys in either individually or, you know, the guy, the guys who, who they, who they deem to be a uh, part of the future of the franchise that they're all putting in their work in now. Um, Certainly. They I mean, they, they've all been you know, there. It, I mean, even Trey, like Trey's posted stuff on social media. Those guys have been there in the facility. Now they can't, it's, it is different than team workouts. No one would say otherwise. And that's the, that's really the thing is like, I know it would be for me. It would be fun to watch games, and I think there is real value to having them play games. But I think it's almost as much or more about not having practice and not being able to see these guys on the floor together, even if nobody else is seeing it outside the building. Um, being able to do full workouts where they can see how Capella works, where they, where they can see how her, where Herder is, where Cam and DeAndre are, um, that kind of stuff really matters. And I mean, we've all said it. I know you have. I know I have. Like. Of all of the eight teams not in Orlando, the Hawks are pretty much the national consensus of, of the team that everyone agrees is hurt the most by this because they're just an entire team of young guys who have a lot of questions to answer. Obviously, Trey Young and John Collins less so than the other guys. But, you know, the other teams are all bad, but the Warriors don't have that much to learn about their roster. Uh, the the Knicks don't have a lot to learn about their roster because most of those guys are not going to be there anymore. Uh, same for re- really all of these other teams. There's different guys. Obviously, the Wolves have probably the second most young talent that's coming back. But regardless, the Hawks, you know, basically everyone under contract for next year, aside from Dwayne Dedman, is a young player. And it's just really interesting to me um, and difficult because we all kind of know that the Hawks were really burned by this, and that's why they wanted to play. I mean, they were not shy. They were probably the number one team outside of Orlando that wanted to be in Orlando, from ownership to front office to Lloyd Pierce to the players. Everybody wants to be there, and it's pretty obvious why. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to litigate too much, but it definitely is not good. I mean, I'm still hope. I mean, I, and even in that, in that piece from The Athletic, they were talking about their, the, the teams are still holding out hope of doing at least in-market practices and workouts. That's the hope for me at this point. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm a Hawks fan listening to this, I really want them to be able to just have a week or two of actual team workouts. That would be a win at this point. Obviously, it's not as good as games, but being able to come together at some point for 10 days or 14 days between now and November would be huge because, I mean, I know you referenced this earlier. We talked about this. November 10th is the target day for training camp. That is far from a given. Like, it might be... It might be after that. It might, there's no there's no guarantees that that's going to be one guy's report for training camp for next year. So that's the minimum it's going to be. And even then, if they're on time, so to speak, that's eight months 
almost of the day from when they shut things down. So having some sort of workout would be nice, and that's all you can hope for now because I think the the, the notion of a second bubble and like a summer league style thing is just looking uh, pretty much impossible at this point. Yeah, and to me, it's looking, you know, it's more and more looking like they probably could have fit all thirty teams into this bubble, um, just because of how secure it is and how, like, I, I think I'm knocking on wood I right think, now. Just for the record, I'm knocking on wood. I, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> early signs are like, yeah, the signs are good. They, they, they could have had like, and I think, and I think a lot of. I think the GMs of the non-eight teams are 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 probably feeling this as well that that you know they could have been there right like they could have been in this bubble because I mean it is a for real competitive disadvantage because I mean like I said the Hawks have huge you know long like this these are the last two off seasons the Hawks are going to have cap space and they have real tough decisions to make like. Kevin Hurd is a good young basketball player, but is is he somebody you want to play alongside Trey Young? You know, can't is that a sustainable backcourt? Right. Yeah, and, ultimately, that's the case with any. I mean, the Hawks are a, a shiny example of this, but any young team has a bunch of young guys. Normally, you know, one or two of these guys is not going to be on the team in two years. Like that's exactly your, the math will tell. It's not impossible, but the math will tell you that. Any young team that's rebuilding and trying to build this whole core nucleus together, eventually one or two of these guys, the math will tell you that they're not going to pan out all the way. Or even if they do, they get traded and they get moved in a bigger package or whatever. Like I'm not, it's not a shot at anybody. It's not a shot at any particular player. And I'm not going to tell you who it's going to be. But if you just look at the way this thing, this thing usually works, somebody is going to get moved either by just not being that good or getting traded for someone else. And it's not going to be Trey Young. We know that. Um, but Everybody else, I mean, it wouldn't stun me if there was like a move to go for anybody else. I'm not going to tell you that there's definitely a pecking order, I would imagine, especially within the Hawks' uh, thought process. But the smart money, honestly, two or three years from now is that one of these guys, if not two, won't be on the team anymore. That's just kind of the reality. And it's weird to talk about that in such broad terms, but you have a hard time finding a rebuild that ever kept all of its pieces the entire way through. Yeah, um, I think. Looking at it from the Hawks' perspective, the Hawks did keep their core together for a fairly long time. Um, the Josh Smith, Al Horford, Marvin Williams. They uh, they did, but even, even then, like for instance, they they took Josh Childers with, with the number six overall pick, and he was yeah, but he was out of the league Josh in four Ch- years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I was he was. I mean, true, I will defend Josh Childers. I'm, I'm just saying, he, like, no, no, no. My 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 counter is only that Josh Childers was there for four years. He was up to yeah. including the the year they made the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, and, I'm just you know, saying the math is eventually one of those guys yeah. is going to fall. Yeah. It's going to fall away. In that case, it was Childress. There were different guys along the way, and you're right. That team was together for longer than you might think, and, but they and, also missed. Some, and, they also missed sometimes. AC yeah, Law. yeah. I mean, you know, Sheldon <laughs> Sheldon Williams, AC Law guys, you know, didn't work out, but overall, like they they did build the core of their team. You're right. Of you know, a plus 500, you know, basketball team through, through the draft. And I think the Hawks can feel comfortable in that. They, they yeah. already know they got two guys um, and they might have more uh, depending on, and, and, you know, everybody, even my, my loathing of DeAndre Hunter and 
Kevin Herter how they were this season. Like even they've shown <laughs> enough. Yes. You know they've shown enough to to dictate. You know sticking with, the, with them with the, with the benefit of uh, not being really angry in the moment. Even even you see that. I know. I understand. It's just one of those things. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I see it, and then some. I'm, you know, I watch Mikael Bridges. And I'm like, that's what DeAndre Hunter was supposed to be. And well, Mikael, but, but Mikael Bridges was not was not that good this year. Like he, I, I love Mikael Bridges, and I always have. But he's a different guy in the bubble than he was during the season. So like, maybe, even even, maybe, even that. But I'm with you. I love maybe, Mikael Bridges, so I'm not maybe, trying to say otherwise. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Can't, I mean, I'm watching Cam Johnson be effective for the Suns. Like it, it, it I'm I'm getting envious because you know the Suns sure. show their guys. The Spurs need to show all their young guys, and they're playing well, you know, in the bubble, you know, being carried alongside DeMar DeRozan, um, you know, playing power forward, and those lineups are working. Uh, you know, I, I'm, it's disappointing that, you know, I can't see, you know, because I can't see how what they've done in the offseason, what they've worked on, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you, know, you know, it's just you're really just, as a fan of the Hawks, you're just frustrated because it's like, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see my team in there, you know, but, you, you know, ultimately the Hawks just got to, you know, find, they get, I mean, they have to find some way um, just to see their guys like in a, yep. in a competitive setting um, before they, before they start making these decisions. Cause, and they may not cause be like I said, like, that, and like that... if they, if they can't, they're going, like I said, they're going to be going in blind, and they might overpay for a guy that they, they ultimately figured out they don't need. Like, they could pay Joe Harris what it will take to get Joe Harris, and then Kevin Herter comes out and is better than Joe Harris. Like, that's a – you know, that might not be likely, but, like, okay, you just spent X amount of dollars on Joe Harris just for Kevin Herter to be way better. Yeah. Um, now, now this what? Is a, it's like, a really hard offseason – and we talked about it before, but it's worth just saying now, like without the information, it's even harder. But even with the information, it would have been a difficult offseason for the Hawks because they don't have like the obvious glaring holes and this free agent class is not great and they have all this cap space. So you're already talking about some decisions that are going to be made. They're, they're going to pay somebody. They got to fill out the cap. There's a salary floor. They're going to they're going to sign or acquire someone that can play. But just trying to figure out who that is, figuring out what they want, what they need. It's really interesting for me and you to talk about, but it's not easy. Like, this is not a situation where they have a clear need that they have to just plug this summer in the way that we thought they might. Like, before the Capella trade, we all knew it was going to be center. Center was, the, center was the spot that they were going to have to address at some point. And now they addressed it, so it's like, okay, they certainly can improve by acquiring some guys, and they're not, like, set for life at these positions, but they don't have a glaring spot where they need somebody other than backup point guard. Everybody, everywhere else, they have a body that can at least, or two or three, that can play. So it's just interesting already. And to your point about the lack of knowledge, I mean, they've never seen John Collins and Clint Capella play together. And they're going to go into the season having never seen that probably. And also trying to figure out what, what to do in the draft, what to do with with free agency and maybe maybe the trade market. So that's just one example. That's that's, that's the most glaring one because they've, they've, they've literally never seen those guys play together. Yeah. But you still have the three the three young wings that are all very different players playing similar positions, and they're jockeying for position. Like they're gonna pro- again, they're gonna sign or acquire somebody on the perimeter. I don't know if it's gonna be a combo guard or a 
wing or a combo forward or two out of those three positions or whatever, they're going to add somebody, man. That's the one thing that I'm very confident in is that the Hawks are going to acquire another starting caliber or at least high rotation caliber player between now and November. So and for that, for, for that guy in there too. One. And they're probably, yeah, they're probably going to draft another young. Right. Plus that probably wing as well. So right. Plus, plus another perimeter yeah. player probably in the draft. So there's a lot of bodies that they already have. And then you throw in one, two, maybe three more guys if you factor in the draft pick, and uh, it gets crowded. But I know we, we've talked about all this stuff already. I just want to make sure we started there on the Hawks. This is a Hawks podcast, but it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, we can transition. I want to talk about the bubble because I know you, you were Let's talking do about it. before. I mean, it's been awesome. By the way, uh, unfortunate news as we started recording, uh, you've not even seen this yet. Jaron Jackson has a torn meniscus. Oh um, my god! The Grizzlies just announced that about five minutes ago. We're recording about six forty p.m. on Tuesday wow. Eastern. So Jaron is now out for the rest of the season. Um, oh, that sucks. He was playing really like he, you know, I'm not the biggest Jaron Jackson guy, but he was playing some good basketball. Uh, still, especially on offense, I mean, he's bombing away. And, but yeah, yeah he mean, was fi- he was figuring it, it out on offense in a similar way that Porzingis was fin- has figured it out on offense. Um, that. You know, he's leveraging his shot-making ability to get easier looks around the rim, and it, it's made life easier for himself as a, you know, as a basketball player. So that, wow. Like, did that, oh, man. I, I, want, I, I wanted to start there because, you know, obviously you that, are uh, familiar with Memphis in general, but um, just the whole the whole eight-seed race in the West is super interesting. Like, you mentioned the before the Devin Booker shot, Phoenix has been hot. New Orleans is kind of a interesting mess right now. San Antonio... Uh, is playing pretty well. Dame still exists in Portland, and now you have Memphis. And like, Derek White, Derek White, the gap is closed. <laughs> Derek White better than Trey Young, you know. I like Derek I White. Know, he's not he's... better than Trey Young. I like Derek White though. Yeah, no, he's not. But uh, I know he's taking I that threes fondly. now. He's yes. taking threes now. So like, he's a different player. A lot of like, it's so odd seeing Brad seeing T.J. Warren. Like T.J. Warren's eating up the Magic currently. Like he's pulling from like twenty eight feet. TJ Warren. TJ Warren took I, Ben Simmons behind the woodshed the other day, and I could not believe what I was watching the entire game. Like, like TJ TJ Warren has been a good basketball player for the majority of his career. Yes, he has. Like, but these short couple of games in the bubble. Like I mean, he was like he was awesome this year, even before the bubble in Indiana. It was by far the best yeah. year of his career, and now he's playing fifty percent better than that. He's been ridiculous in the bubble. <laughs> By the yeah, way, right I mean, now, as, we, as we're recording, uh, this is going to change, obviously. He has made his first six shots against the Magic. He has 17 points in his first 11 minutes of play tonight. I mean, it's just, I mean, what a pickup for the Pacers. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see if this is sustainable for TJ Warren, but like. I mean, it's not, but it's he's, he's he's always. But, but here's <laughs> the thing. He's always been a good scorer. Yeah. He's just now taking more threes. And play better defense. And, That's the thing that he always did yeah. was, I mean, coming out of NC State, DJ Warren was just a scorer and a scorer and a scorer. That's all he ever did. And he was still a pretty good NBA player. And then now he's shooting threes and defending. And suddenly he is like a $20 million player. <laughs> like, he's really good. Yeah, and he's got a great contract, too. So the Pacers, like... Shots of the Suns. Yeah. Gave I mean, away. And, it, and you know what? The Hawks need... That that's one where it's like the Hawks should have been in on that, just to acquire young cheap talent like T.J. Warren. And I know why they weren't. 
because they yeah. they drafted a bunch of young guys. They don't want to supplant their young guys, but I feel like in this offseason, considering you know just how good Trey Young is now, they need to be on the hunt for you know people trying to shed salary uh, for good young talent that could possibly blossom to being even better, uh, just depending on your fit and role. So, you know, that's some that's something to monitor. Um, that's something to monitor. I mean, they kind of already did it with Clint Capella. Um, yeah. Young veteran, but you know, cost, con- cost yeah, control, and, good player. Like it's it's a pretty similar and for a pretty good value price. But yeah, it's a, yeah. it's kind of similar in that way. But I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you to pick what's going to happen in the Western Conference race for the eight seed because it's like impossible right now because Memphis is cratering. They've they're winless. Um, but since that that's your second hometown team, I, I guess we should start there. I mean, Jaron without Jaron, they're in some, they're in some trouble. I'm just saying. Yeah, they were already in trouble. Yes. Um, even though Jaron was playing well, they're not. They're still like they're just not that talented. Like there's there's a lot. Of, I, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. Like they've had a pretty good season. A very a very um, good season for what they're supposed to be. Yeah. But they're not. They're still not talented. And now they're going up. Like they play hard, and you saw all that against the Pelicans. But like, you know. Zion decided to give a crap for three minutes in the fourth quarter, and the game was over. So it's like, well, the Pelicans it, are just a lot, lot more talented. That's the thing about that. I mean, yeah, the huge yeah. lead, but the Pelicans just have a lot more talent than the Grizzlies. They just do. And and so like, and the Pelicans, and you know, the Grizzlies got a tough schedule. And these teams, like, what's fairly clear is like whether whether the guys are playing or sitting or everybody's hungry to play basketball, like. Yep. Basketball players love playing basketball. So even if even if like they catch the Celtics resting, that's going to be a tough game for them because the Celtics bench mob is pretty good. Um like that that's the issue. Like yes, maybe the Stars late late into this bubble season, they're going to rest them, but like those bench players are pretty good for these contending teams and the Grizzlies are just going to have such a hard time scoring because they have no spacing. Like, they losing Jay Crowder was kind of crippling for their chances. Like, it, that, they have, that they, they have no wing. I mean, they have one wing, and it's Dylan Brooks, who is not a good shooter. So Dylan Brooks. I mean, Dylan like Brooks each. is a useful player that uh, has no conscience at all, which it can be useful, but sometimes it just gets you beat, and it, that happened twice in a row, basically, to them, where he thinks Listen, he's I'm, I'm he just, I'm just going to come out. Like, I hate... I have always in my life hated people who thought, who talk a lot and think that they are better than they are. Like, I hate that. <laughs> and he is, and he like, is that. Bro- nobody, nobody talks more than Dylan Brooks. And it's like, dude, what? You are not good enough to be like in my ear, you know, 24 seven. Like, and like that, that art type of a player frustrates me frustrates sure. me whether they're on my team or not like i don't care like i i just don't like it so it's like but you know overall he's the best wing they got because you know kyle anderson is playing small forward for him and kyle anderson is not a small forward um uh, no he's and not. now that you know now that they lost Jaron jackson jr probably their best shooter like it's going to get even worse. Like you saw the Pelicans. Oh yeah. Late, like the the thing about the thing about Ja 
is that he shot it decent from three, but he doesn't shoot that many threes. He's and not so that great of a Pelicans, shooter right now. I mean, he's he can yeah. shoot. He's, and, not, he's, not, he's not a non-shooter, but he's not a prolific, like off movement, high you know high volume shooter. It's I don't know. They, they really honestly they have one real shooter on the entire roster, and it's Jaron Jackson. <laughs> and if he's not there, like that's that's not that's not going to work. I mean, you're talking about Grayson Allen as their as their best shooter now. Yeah. So it's I mean it's just gonna be it's gonna be tough for this Grizzlies team just because. In particular, like everybody's healthy, everybody's more importantly, everybody's bigs are healthy, and so they don't have that advantage anymore. Nope. Of just having throwing their good big men at teams now, and now they're down one big man in Jared Jackson. So that's, I mean, that's tough news. I, I, it is. I, that you kind of blindsided me. No, it, it, hit, it, hit what no we're, it hit what we were talking. I, I saw the notification on my phone, or I would have not even known. But yeah, it's that's a tough one. I mean, other than that. San, San Antonio playing well. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure how sustainable it is. I still think that I would pick Portland or New Orleans to make the playing the playing against Memphis. Well, because I mean, honestly, Memphis I might would. go winless. That's in play. But even if they do, they still probably make the playing because like they're still they maybe. still have a two game lead right now. I mean, they maybe if they go zero and eight, maybe they can fall out. But other than like one and seven, probably gets them in still to, at least to the playing. Maybe I only say maybe just because the Pelicans could probably cakewalk themselves. Yeah, their really schedule is, is a lot lighter than uh, is paper thin, and also the Spurs' schedule isn't that difficult. The Trailblazers, who are by far the best team of these bunch, like, but especially with Nurk. I mean, if, like, if, if, it's a, Nurk I mean, the problem, looks the great. problem, yeah, but the problem is like their their schedule is like killer. They play every, every good basketball team. They got to. They got to go through. They got to beat all the good teams. Like yeah, as, people, teams. As, as we're recording, people, people won't hear this until after the game, so we don't know what's going to happen. But they, they play the Rockets on Tuesday night, then Denver, then the Clippers, then the Sixers, then then Dallas. So, I mean, they yeah, do end with Brooklyn, which is a, a win. But uh, in between, no, uh, nothing easy. Yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna have a they're gonna have a tough go. But I guess we can talk about. The Pelicans and Zion, because I mean, you, you've been on a you've been on a Zion kick on Twitter, so I figured you want, I figured you'd be ready to go with some uh, with some Zion takes. Well, you know, it, 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 it one, it was good to see him back. You know, I don't, I don't know who was wearing his uniform for the first six or so quarters that he played, six plus quarters or whatever. But like the fourth quarter against the Grizzlies when he came back again, and remembered that he's a great cutter off the ball. And that nobody can stop him when he's off the ball, you know, with his quickness and athleticism. Like it's it's good that he remembered that he's not a back to the basket big man because that's what he was doing the first couple games. And I'm like, this is not an interesting basketball player. This isn't the number one overall pick that the Pelicans chose. Like it's fairly obvious he is aggressively out of shape, and the excuse that, you know, he he took the – he was away from the team for nine games and he basically didn't do anything. I'm like, one, dude, there's 24 hours in a day. Like, you, you couldn't spare a couple hours just doing some cardio during that time. And then also, like, it's pretty clear that even before he left, he wasn't in good shape. Like, Yeah, there was the report about him having you cramps the, before he left as well. Like – there was like some you, cramping you watch, stuff, and I don't know. Like, I, 
it's pretty clear uh, he was the other side of the quarantine body. Uh, whereas of Jokic, yeah. like he he might be over three hundred pounds right now. I mean, like he, I mean, there was there was the one photo that made the rounds of of Zion looking like really yoked. And everybody was like, "All right, Zion's in shape," and it's like, "Well, we don't, we don't know that." And then as soon as he was playing, it was like, "Oh, okay, he doesn't look like he's in shape." And we saw, I mean, even he wasn't that great overall in that first game in the opener on Thursday, but even then, you, I think he, scored, I think he was really efficient as a scorer and like did Zion things. So it was like, "All right, well, he didn't rebound, didn't play defense, but he made some plays." And then in the second game, he just he just looked, he just looked awful, and it was like, "Okay, maybe he's just." not right because he just doesn't feel he's obviously explosive we've seen the dunks he still had a couple dunks but like it's not the same level of pop that he's had i mean but he's not even the same athlete right that he was that's what i mean i think that's fairly that's been fairly clear even before the quarantine break like you see it more in defense honestly like that's where i see it i mean he's just not he's just not in the shape he needs to be in to be the best basketball player he can be like i think that's fairly obvious and if I'm Pelicans, you know, front office people, I am not happy. Um, because he he's gonna he's gonna just hurt himself again. I mean, this is the issue. Like, you gotta be. He's gotta get back to what he was at, the shape he was in at Duke. Like, that's just the flat out truth. And I get why he was in better shape at Duke compared to being in the professional. Because that when you're in college. You know, it's a more structured environment. Like, they have a schedule for you that you go to, whereas in the NBA, it's a job. You work X amount of hours, and then you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and he's a young guy, and I get it, and I get it. But, like, I mean, a large reason why we have this playing tournament is for you. And yeah, the NBA is probably not thrilled that uh, they had the Pelicans on the first game. Zion played like 15 minutes. Then they scheduled scheduled around them pretty much the entire time. Um, And him, not that he's not, he's given them some highlights. I'm sure people probably tuned in to watch a little bit more than they might've, but uh, not what the NBA is looking for. I don't think so far. Yeah. And you got everybody being like, why, why are the Pelicans, you know, managing, you know, Zion's managed like, play him in the shape, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I mean, he's been terrible for the most part. Yeah, that was the thing about the first game, the first game or two. It was that, you know, there's an argument. Yeah, he's awesome. Obviously, their offense is still better when he plays. But there's an argument that his defense was so bad in that first game that they probably, that they might, they maybe were better off without him. That's how bad it was. Like, I'm not going to tell you that's for sure because he's still awesome. It's still offensively, he's still really fun and good even when he's not in shape. But, you know, in addition to the minutes restriction stuff, his defense is really bad, man. Like, it's unplayably bad. <laughs> like, it really is. It's not – it doesn't have to be because we saw him be good at Duke defensively. I'm not sure he's ever he going to be incredible. He was a monster. He but, was a monster at Duke. Like, yeah. all over the floor, full range of motion, hunting every everybody's shot. Like, I'm watching dudes finish. Like, he's just, like, not challenging shots at the rim. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Well, and he has to do that, too, because he's he's not a traditional defender in that, you know, he's kind of positionless. And I'm not sure, like, if he's not creating havoc like he was at Duke, like like you're saying, he's not going to be, like, a a really good defensive player. That's the only path he has to being an awesome defender is just kind of making all those plays. 
he's, he's not a, like a, a regular fundamental defender. Like who's, who's he supposed to guard regularly? He's like supposed to, I guess, defend fours, but he's not going to be an on ball guy. That's going to be like taking people away. He's, he's definitely a, a havoc creator defensively. And if he's, if he's not doing that, it's not going to be very good on the end of the floor. Now, again, he's still a star on offense, so it's not that big of a deal, but he can't be as bad as he's been in Orlando defensively, or you actually do have to worry a little bit just because that's not the player that you thought you were going to get. Not that he's going to be incredible, again, defensively, but he can't be what he's been so far, man. It's been bad. Yeah, and also, I mean, even his offense, like I mentioned, like a lot of what the Pelicans were doing were going out of the way to get him the ball post-up situations and like yeah. he's a good post-up player but you know come on like zion was is an all-around talent like fine like finally in that fourth quarter against the grizzlies he stepped up to the show and did what they needed him to do not just on the ball but off the ball setting screens running pick and roll with jj reddick right all that stuff that really that really just cratered what the what the uh, grizzlies were trying to do and that's part um, but, of his appeal offensively is that he can even be like an on-ball player. Like Zion is someone who can run a pick and roll as the as the yeah. ball handler. Like that's that's terrifying for a guy his size and his and his explosiveness and his strength. But you know, offensively, everyone sees what it, what it can and maybe will be if it's all there. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing: like the Pelicans, their talent combined with the schedule that they have should be. Um, in the playoffs, like I trust them to beat the Grizzlies. I mean, I read the schedule off Eight before Sunday. You know, they beat they beat the Grizzlies as you as you just said. Um, so they got let's see, they've got they, like the Pelicans should be in the play in turn, regardless yeah. of who else they. Play, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be favored in all five games. It's the, it's the Kings twice, the Wizards, the Spurs, and the Magic for the Pelicans. So they'll be favored in yeah. all five games. I'm not I'm not telling you that they're going to go that they're, they're going to go five and zero. Oh. But they are the more talented team in all five of those games, and the Kings might be out of it because they just lost. Yeah, the Kings might just like pack it up because they're probably drawing yeah. dead at this point. I mean, they lost today again. They are now last of all of the teams, including Phoenix. They're now behind Phoenix after all this. Um, so yeah, they're they're drawing dead. Uh, Sacramento's. I, I guess if they won out, they might have a prayer to be the ninth seed, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um... But other than Zion, which hey, again, Kate Bazemore, like, though. just for, for the record, shots to Kate Bazemore who played well. He's like the only guy playing well for Sacramento. Yeah, him, him, him been, and Fox. He's been playing okay, you know. Oh come hey. on, he's he's playing well. He's playing well. He's playing playing well in Sacramento. Give kids some love. Yeah, he's, playing, he's playing all right, you know. He failed in Portland though. That's funny. He was bad in Portland. I I will I will grant you that he was bad in Portland. Uh, Alex Lynn is uh, getting healthy. Play, he actually played today first time. He had had he's battling COVID. So shots to Alex Lynn too in this Hawks segment. Um, anyway, but I mean, okay, so I'm gonna put you on the spot here before we move on. Looking at the schedule, looking at the standings, are you thinking Portland versus New Orleans and they both pass Memphis? Is this tough? I mean, Memphis, for all of how bad they have been, and there's still two games up. The Suns. The Suns, I want to keep an eye on the Suns. I know, I, mean, I know, it's not likely just due to how I mean, they're they're, they're, they're start, unbeaten. But... They're unbeaten in Orlando. Uh, here's the schedule for for Phoenix, by the way: uh, Indiana, Miami, Oklahoma City, Philly, and Dallas. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know they're three and zero, but are they going to keep winning? Them, the Spurs just do their easy schedule. Like if Portland could have just gotten some some 
like the Port, Port Trailblazers got to win. They got to win tonight. They have to beat the Rockets, um, just because. And they needed to beat the Celtics when they when they came back. Like they they should have won that. They got to yeah. They they can't. They the reason why I'm saying they have to beat the Rockets because they should have beat the Celtics. I would have gave them some breathing room. Well, and their schedule is not, not. I mean, they still have some tough games. They've still got Denver. They still got the Clippers. They got Dallas. They got Philly. Like they have some games that are tough. Still, they, they better win. To, if, they, if they don't, if they don't be as we are talking. We, we don't know. We don't know the result of that game on Tuesday. But if they don't win that one, uh, just the schedule and the standings get tough. Even though I agree with you, I think I do think Portland is probably the best team as long as Nurkic is playing the way that he's been playing. But they're not in the greatest spot in the world between schedule and just the pecking order how it is. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Zach Collins isn't good at basketball because, like, I, I think he is not as bad as that makes him sound. But he's not very good. I'm with you. I mean, here's the thing: like, Carmelo's playing over him, and I heard like, you know, I was listening to Nate and Danny recap the game, and they were talking about how Carmelo shouldn't have been in the game to close. I'm like. Zach Collins boofed like two <laughs> easy layup attempts because he can't catch the ball in traffic because he's too weak. He then got lost in transition, didn't pick up the guy and gave up an open three. I'm like, Zach Collins was bad, like against the Celtics, and he couldn't guard Jason Tatum. And it's like, what do you do, man? Like, I, 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 the, I, I don't know. I, I've tweeted about it before, but you know, the, the Trailblazers trading up to acquire Zach Collins when Bam Adebayo and John Collins were right there for him. It didn't go um, well. It didn't go well for Portland. It's tough. And, like, it's not like Zach Collins can't become a good basketball player, but his appeal was that he was a shooter and he can't shoot. Like, and maybe he can shoot one day, but he's not a very good shooter and nobody respects, respects him on offense. And then his defense, like, he can't play center because he's skinny and he can't yeah, grab the yeah. defensive I mean... rebound. To your point, like it's what what if what if Jaron Jackson Jr. couldn't shoot or had but but yeah and probably even had but Jaron Jackson even then Jaron Jackson has more like ball skills like right that's what I was gonna say a, <laughs> but you're right I mean if Jaron just doesn't do anything like he just like to me I watch Zach Collins I'm like yeah I'm I'm pretty sure your defense is better with him. Um, just due to his size, and he is a decent help defender. I mean, but be- like, better, better than Melo as a low bar to clear defensively. To also absolutely, um, absolutely. But it's like it's not enough. It's not what they need needed needed from him. Like this is not the player they they wanted. Well, to I mean, here's like, the thing about Por- the thing about Portland that we all understand is that especially without Ariza, they just don't have anything at like the three and the four at, just at all. I mean, Gary Trent's been good, but Gary Trent's like six four. He's not. Like I like Gary Trent, but he can't be your only wing because he's not that big, uh, and they don't have anybody else. I mean, Melo at the three is their other option. They just don't have anything. I mean, the, the Zach Collins thing frustrates me just because Dame Lillard is an incredible is basketball player. Yeah, is absolutely a guy who could win a championship as your best player if you have the right team around them. And this is not the right team. Like I think earlier, I think made too much was made of the. Uh, Lillard, C.J. McCollum, can can that you know unit defend? And it's not really those two guys that are the issue. It's the rest of the team. Like it's just like I, Lillard is just too good. Lillard, Dame Lillard is too good of a basketball player for that team to be as bad as they are record wise. Like they, 
it should be impossible for him to be healthy, have the season he had, and for that team to be awful. But like, and I know they were hurt, but it, but it's not. Like it's not just the injuries; it's the talent around him's not good enough. Like, you, you, it took you guys to the trade timeline to get a competent wing in Trevor Ariza, and Trevor Ariza's just—he's he, old, but you know, it's like he's competent. I, I don't he is. know. I don't know. Anyway. They, they needed. They. <laughs> I mean, they. They kind of. They really do need Nasir Little to to figure it out, but you know, that's going to take some time and like. They're on the clock, man. Like Lillard only got so many more years of this level of play in them. Like, and, and I, I guess my last thing on Portland, like it's, it's, you know, it's just incredible to watch the transformation he's made as a defender. Like, just they they put him on Jason Tatum and he was doing a good job. I'm like, this is a different dude. Like on defense, like it's he was one of the worst defenders in the NBA for the majority of his career, and then all of a sudden he got good, and it's like. Like if you're a fan of the Hawks, which you are, if you're listening to this, and you know, I would assume you're worried about Trey Young. You know, Dame Lillard is the hope in the sense that you know, over time, you know, a guy can work on his game, work work at the stuff that you're weak at, um, in order to improve. So, I don't there know. You have but it. I, I I wish. You know, I, I just I just wish the Trailblazers had just a bit more talent because, like, they should be title contenders. But yeah, Dame's, they, uh, Dame's good, big. and so is so is Nurkic, which is helpful. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, before we go uh, to we're we're going to go to a part two because, as usual, you and I start talking and we get going. But before we go to, before we go to part two, uh, are you? I have one question and one question only about the Eastern Conference. Are you worried about Milwaukee? Not in the East. I don't. Because obviously, by the, team... for, for, for the backdrop, they, they lost to Brooklyn today. Uh, granted, Giannis didn't play in the second half, and they probably didn't care at all because they don't need to care. But uh, people are. Well, they. I can on, already see the out, takes now. On. The takes are coming about Milwaukee. I, I saw the game. I saw the game. They cared. The Nets just didn't miss a three pointer. And if I am concerned about one thing, is that the shot making seems a lot better. Um. Like shot making, like guys are just making shots in the bubble more than they have been. It feels like to me. I don't know if that's empirically true, proven, but that's just something to monitor. But outside of that, like the Eastern Conference, the biggest challenge to them to me were are the Sixers, just due to the fact that Giannis Embiid is good enough to keep Giannis from just bowling their entire team o- over. Um, but like the Sixers are a mess. I, I don't trust them to do anything. Like I, I don't know how anybody can trust that team. I mean, um, yeah. After seeing what we've seen, I mean, I know, I know they won on Monday with my guy Shake Milton knocking it down in the clutch. Um, I'm kidding. Shake Milton. I love Shake Milton though. Um, but yeah, the the Philly is just. I, I'm someone I mean, who's I'm someone who's tried well, to defend Philly, and it's they're 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 indefensible. That team is just. But here here's the problem. It's like. Is it the coach? Is it the, is it you know Al Horford? But like to me, I'm like, I mean, the biggest problem at the end of the day is that Ben Simmons can't shoot. And, and by but the way, the best ben, ben has is, kind of been terrible in Orlando, like pretty. Yeah, pretty, uh, well, yeah, because he can't shoot, and you know he's in his best in transition. But like Joel Embiid wants to walk the ball up the floor and post up, and he's the best in the NBA at it. 
And so, like, they don't fit. Like, that. They, they just, to me, I'm like, I, I watch them. They're a mismatch of talent. Like, Ben Simmons needs to be on the team with, surrounded by shooters so that he get like, he, he needs to be on the team that the way the Bucks are set up, where they sprint, like, they play good defense. They grab defensive rebounds. They push the ball up the, up the floor for corner threes, and they're bombing away. But, like, that's just not, like, that's not how Embiid plays. Like, and they shouldn't play that way because that's not where they're at their best is with Embiid, you know, being back in the basket, running everything through him. And, like, I mean, the the talent doesn't fit. Like, they, and they you know, they, they, they gave uh, Al Horford and that retirement package. Which good for Al, but oh, shouts yeah, to Al. Get, get the get the paper, Al. Uh, yeah, Al and uh, and Tobias Harris is just not. No, the fact I mean, that they honestly they, and for all the attention paid to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and you know Ben Simmons is a a, a very good yet flawed basketball player. Uh, the biggest problem in Philly is the fact that they have about. 55 million a year or more uh owed to al horford and tobias harris that that that, yeah, that, that isn't true. gonna work i mean even they, beyond the ben simmons even beyond the ben simmons thing that's which, what i mean like obviously ben simmons fit is not great with Joel Embiid uh as the two best players on the team no everyone agrees on that but they compounded it by paying upwards of 60 million dollars a year for uh a power forward in tobias harris and a center in al horford on a team that already had ben simmons and Joel Embiid on it. So. Yeah, I mean, and the, the weakness is that guard. Um, it shows up when they have to go up against Trey Young, and he cooks them every time because, like, none of none of their perimeter defenders give him any problems, or like, and, and like, you know, just they're just a they 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 it way too much of their capital into bigs, like way too much of their money is in the front quarters, and. Like their wings are, you know, they're okay. Like they're 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 good guys, but they're not guys you want playing thirty five plus minutes in a playoff setting. Uh, you know, the Jimmy Butler decision, like really, that's you know, looking how well he's playing for the Heat. I know he can't; sh- he's no longer shooting either. But they really miss him like it's it's hard not to watch the 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 Sixers play and not think they could really use Jimmy Butler all around game from the wing um instead of you know Tobias Harris and Al Horford like those are good you know in a vacuum those are good basketball players but they're kind of superfluous to what they already have um as a with you know Joel Embiid Ben Simmons you know, to buy, you can't force Tobias Harris to play small forward no matter how hard you try. Like, at the end of the day, he's a power forward, but because you have Ben Simmons, every team puts their power forward or center, you know, power forward on Ben Simmons. So, like, it's, you know, Tobias is just not as good on the wing as he is at, at the four. And even then, like, he's not, he's a good basketball player, but he's not somebody you want to be paying 25 plus million dollars. And then Al Horford, that's a lot of money to give to a backup center. Like that's just, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Like they tried to start a season with whoever, J- Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Al Over, and Joel Embiid, and like the lineup, that lineup not working, 
has basically been the foundation for all of their flaws. Well, it was it was the only way that they were going to be good. Uh, I mean, and not not yeah. I mean, they're obviously still good in like no, no, NBA not, terms, but but win a title, like yes. to be able to beat the Bucks, to be able to to have because they have the talent. Like that's the thing, they do have the talent because they have Joel Embiid. They took the swing on out. I mean, the thing is, and God knows, anyone listening to this podcast knows that I love Al Horford, uh, but signing Al Horford, who has been a center for his entire career and is definitely a center now. Like, he, he used to be able to play the four. He can't play the four anymore. He just, he can't. It's okay. Al's old. Al's in his mid-30s. Al's a center. And to spend all of the remaining capital on Al Horford on a team that had Joel Embiid on it, it they, they just overreacted to, and I get why, because they were so bad when Embiid left the court at any point last year in the playoffs. But the, the, the solution to that was not to pay Al Horford $25, $25 million a year. Um, but not only are they paying Al Horford that amount of money, but they're misusing him. Like right. Al Horford is a pick and pop big man, but they Correct. have nobody to run pick and pop with. Exactly. I mean, and beyond that on defense, they have him playing, you know, they have him playing similar to how Joel Embiid plays defense, which is, you know, which protect the rim. Do. I mean, he, I, mean he's, he's, I don't know. It's interesting to me because that's not his strength. No, for strength is is trapping out out in front of the court, causing havoc. Not, you know, waiting for the defender to come towards him. He doesn't have the length or the size to right. really challenge. Which anybody shots that's, I mean, well we, we've we've obviously watched him more than most people in the world. But yeah, it's just it's just a baffling use of resources. Like, and, Bo- here's the thing: Budenholzer changed the defensive scheme he wanted to run in Atlanta with Al Horford and Paul Millsap because he realized having Al Horford just stay back and protect the rim. It's stupid. Wasn't working. It wasn't working. Like, <laughs> That's not it what just does. doesn't work. But like because the Sixers all their talent is is again in, they're investing in Joel Embiid like so as a defense they don't have the versatility of the uh you know the Raptors like they can't just switch up their defensive scheme. You know Joel Embiid plays one way and he's probably when he's motivated the best defensive player in the NBA. And so you're going to play that one way. So when he comes off the floor, you know, all, all the other perimeter guys are used to playing, you know, with Joel B protecting the room when he's not in the game, you know, they take, you know, those same risks. Like it just doesn't work. Like what they're doing doesn't work without Hoover. They're not utilizing him like they should be. And he's miscast as a Kevin Love type. Like that's basically better defense defensive Kevin Love. Just stay on a perimeter and shoot open three pointers instead of running pick and pop, which is what you know you've made your career, your right. entire he, career. Is based he's been on a multi multi time all star, being a pick and pop guy who can defend in space, and he's doing neither of those things, which is not what you want. Um, all right, well, uh, I know that part wasn't one. about the Bucks. Um, it's okay. You're not worried about the Bucks, but the team, but you know the Raptors. Every they're know, good, every man. Day, they they get more and more interesting. So like that might that's an interesting matchup. They are very good, that, and uh, I might I might have you cool. come back on to talk about that once it ha- when it happens or yeah. if it happens. Because uh, by the way, it feels yeah. like the playoffs are like happening now, and they're not. They don't start for two more weeks. I mean, the the level intensity is playoff. That's level. what I mean. Like because, it's been I mean, so much fun. There's so much basketball. It feels like you know that you know that opening weekend in April of the playoffs where there's the four games on Saturday, four games on Sunday, and it's just like this incredible basketball two day stretch. It's like that, but every day, <laughs> or more. Yeah, it's actually. great. It's, it's 
it's basketball heaven for us, you know, basketball fans, except if you're a Hawks fan. Yeah. Then it's like. Bring it full circle to I, uh, do that. Then I, I watch the Heat and get mad again because, you know, I watch Tyler Hero and, and Duncan Robinson be better basketball players when Kevin Hurd is way more talented. And it's like, that's. <laughs> uh, it's but, a great no. place a great place to end part one i'll tell you that right now all right uh well tyler will be back tomorrow we're gonna keep talking but uh subscribe to the podcast tell a friend follow tyler and we'll, we'll, we'll be back again in about 24 hours so stay tuned